You're listening to Good Poetry, the podcast about exactly that. My name is Andrew Coons, and welcome to Season 2. We have a lot of great interviews with some amazing poets in store. My guest today is award-winning writer Heidi Barr. Heidi is a writer, wellness coach, and most recently, poet. She was gracious enough to invite me out to her home in beautiful northern Minnesota to talk about her new collection of poems, Cold Spring Hallelujah. So Heidi, thank you so much for being on the podcast today, for agreeing to sit down and chat. Um, it's really, really good to, to chat with you. Yeah, thanks for having me. So you have a new book coming out that we are going to talk a bit about, but kind of before we get to that, I was wondering if we could just get some context on who you are and kind of your journey in, in writing and in poetry, etc. to to this day. Yeah, well, let's see. So poetry is a pretty new development for me. Um, I started, so I, I did a lot of writing in high school and kind of early college, and then I got sucked into, well, I'm just writing academic papers, and I don't want to write just creative things anymore. Um, and so I got away from writing in general for probably a good 10 years. And then again, about 10 years ago from now, I picked up writing again, just in a blog, just kind of a creative outlet. And I just kept kept it going. Um, and then that blog, it was called Woodland Manitou, was a blog spot. <laughs> yes, I remember that. <laughs> uh, account. And that is what evolved into, it's technically it's my second book, so Woodland Manitou. It was kind of, I took a lot of those blog posts and it evolved into an essay collection. I, I think it might be helpful for people to have a little context on uh, your home and where you live, because I feel mm -hmm. like you know you you live in this in this beautiful home that mm -hmm. is surrounded by kind of woods and whatnot, and that comes mm -hmm. out I think a lot in your writing. Could you talk a little yeah. bit about what it's like to live here? I love living here, really. So we moved out here. It's about an hour outside of the Twin Cities in Minnesota, and we moved right. We were lived right in the middle of St. Paul, kind of Hamlin Midway, right off University Avenue. Oh wow! So right we were middle. right in the middle, like really busy, really loud, very urban. And I grew up in a rural area, mm -hmm. so I've moving here was kind of like going back to my roots in a way, because I've always been a nature-loving country person. <laughs> sure. So, and I love having the lake out back, and there's lots of trails and lakes and rivers around here to explore. So it's been good. What do you see that do for you? Or maybe what did you see it do for you when you first moved back out here for, for your writing? Did you feel mm -hmm. like there was kind of an immediate, like, oh, I'm now opened yeah. up to all this new content? Or did that take time? Um, that is a good question. So let's see. Um, yeah, it did open up some new avenues for writing just because I was more in the kind of stuff that I like to write about. Yeah. So when I lived in St. Paul, I had to travel to get to trails and get in the car first and things but the so the preface of Woodland Manitou is about living in the city mm -hmm. and figuring out how to be okay with that and it, it was I basically I say that running around the neighborhoods was my way of coping because I was getting outside without putting tons of miles you know using fossil fuels and things mm -hmm. um, but then it was a relief to just be out in nature pretty much all the time yeah yeah <laughs> So you have a new book coming out uh, called Cold Spring Hallelujah. Mm -hmm. uh, it's coming out November 1st, 2019. Um, you know, I, I've read this book a couple times in preparation for our 
our conversation. And there's a lot that I want to talk about, but one of the, the things that just stuck out the biggest for me was, to me, there seems to be a duality of voice in in the book where mm-hmm. there are moments of <clears throat> reflection and interior reflection and just mm-hmm. uh, enjoying nature and, and um, you know, poems that just talk about what you're observing. And then mm-hmm. there's these fairly direct, almost <laughs> scathing poems that, sure. <laughs> that, you know, speak much more to our culture yeah. and much more to the way people are living nowadays mm-hmm. and, and the mindsets that people are adopting. And I'm, I'm just curious from the, from the start here, was that, duality something that you had in mind that you knew you wanted to talk about two specific things or is that something that just kind of came about as you were writing it that came about Mm. i didn't so a little context for that book is that i didn't set out to write a book of poetry i didn't say oh i want to write a poetry collection okay it was more like and you you read about this in the introduction a little bit but i got sick Mm. and then you know i was working on other writing projects and things, but it just took too much energy to write my normal essay kind of lengthy uh, pieces. And so I just started writing one poem a day in April because it was National Poetry Month. And I was like, well, yeah, I'll do that. I'll just write one poem a day for a month and it'll be fine. (laughs) And I did that and I just kept writing poems after that and it was really healing so Mm -hmm. it was just it helped me process kind of not feeling good and also contributed to healing I think in more ways than one sure um and then yeah I just kept writing poems about what I was noticing so maybe it's noticing things outside my window maybe it's noticing things going on in the broader culture so basically it was just me writing down what I was noticing so kind of along those same lines, um, you know, another thing that I noticed as I was reading this was kind of the way that it ebbs and flows. Mm-hmm. Um, and there's a few different sections that the book is chunked out into. And those are those are titled in the mm-hmm. um, but but there, within that there's there's this kind of feeling where I felt like I was reading like poems. And then I was seeing mm-hmm. like gradual transitions mm-hmm. to different themes and this idea almost that like your observance of the natural would turn to like thinking about mm-hmm. man's current state and mm-hmm. was that something that got constructed when in the editing process or is this fairly chronological and we're seeing kind of a natural movement from thought to thought yeah i th- so how i ended up actually arranging the poems is i printed all of them out on separate pieces of paper and i laid them on the floor and i started putting them in piles of things that seemed related and um and then the the different themes started coming out like invocation and mm-hmm. then forgiveness and confession and i just started putting them into kind of into the different themes um yeah and it just kind of evolved like that so there wasn't a lot of thought put into okay i'm going to make sure i have these things together and these things together and it's not chronological really i mean maybe a little bit it starts more in spring and it ends more in winter mm-hmm. But that wasn't what I wanted to come out as the main theme, if that makes sense. Yeah. So I, th- I think before we go farther, I'd love to hear you read one of the poems from your book. Sure. And then ch- chat about it a little bit. Yeah, I'll just open it up here to a page in the middle. Replace positive thinking with reality. I say, feel what you feel, even if it doesn't include sunshine and roses and kittens. Honor what's going on, not by sinking into despair, but by observing and feeling whatever it is you need to without attaching a label. 
because then the unwanted stuff doesn't claim quite as much power. Maybe uncertainty or even failure is the best outcome if it allows living fully in the present, owning what matters and setting aside what doesn't. That might just offer the opportunity to shift perspective or forgive or build resiliency, which sounds like the kind of reality I'd like to inhabit. That's beautiful. Thank you. I'm interested in a lot of aspects of this poem, but mm -hmm. the line that says maybe uncertainty or even failure is the best outcome if it allows living fully in the present. Yeah. That idea that you can be okay with uncertainty, that's a hard concept to, mm -hmm. to wrap your head around. It is. It was a very important concept when I was sick. Because mm. <laughs> I was in the space of being like, you know what? I got to figure out how to deal with this, even if it doesn't get better. So <laughs> still not easy to do. But I think when you can open yourself up to allowing that as a possibility, then it opens more avenues for healing. Well, that's interesting. And I think the context of some of these being written during that period of sickness is is interesting because the, to me, another theme that comes out through a lot of these poems is that idea of shaping your own reality or your own your own best reality. Um, mm -hmm. Not that you want to be delusional, but you want yeah. to make a life. Right. So I'll, I want to read you one other really short one. Absolutely. It's on page 26 that goes with that idea. So this one's called Suffering. Maybe it's futile to look for meaning when what I need is strength instead. And that came out of a time when I was really trying to figure out, okay, why am I sick? What am I supposed to learn from this? And I was driving myself crazy, <laughs> yeah. trying to figure out what I was supposed to learn from this. And then I was like, you know what? We just got to carry it <laughs> and not look for the big lesson in the moment. You can look back at it, you know, and figure out maybe what it taught you after you experience it. But for me, trying to figure out the meaning while it was in that just wasn't, wasn't the way forward. Yeah, no, that one stuck out to me when I read it as well. Um, and I think that, you know, I'm definitely someone who pushes for wanting to know the purpose behind things. And mm -hmm. I think a lot of us are that way and mm -hmm. we're wired to do that. Um, right. But there's an element of maybe contentment that we have to find where mm -hmm. contentment can mean being okay with that uncertainty yeah. or not knowing that meaning. Yeah, absolutely. Another thing I wanted to ask you about was the sections of the book. Mm -hmm. So they are invocation, confession, forgiveness, communion, and benediction. Um, I think just off the bat, they carry those terms carry with them some religious connotation. Yep. Um, mm -hmm. I would not say personally that I felt like this was an overly religious book from the standpoint mm -hmm. of your traditional structured religion, although we yep. could, I'm sure, argue that nature is the religion. <laughs> sure. Um, but I'm, I'm curious, as you were laying those papers out on, you know, on the floor or the table or wherever it was and finding your mm -hmm. themes like we talked about earlier, what mm -hmm. did you have those words in mind at any point or was it you saw mm -hmm. the piles and then felt? That come to I life. did have some of the words in mind. I think invocation was in my mind already just yeah. because I wanted it to feel like a, kind of an invitation or a beginning kind of a thing. And then the other ones just kind of came out like, um, like for example, communion, you know, yeah. that could be about bread and wine, but it could also be about being one with nature too. Right. So a lot of those poems are about 
being literally in nature right. like um yeah just the closeness that way like there's a there are poems titled tea well okay that's not nature we're just they're more like tactile or sensuous kind of things mm-hmm. um sunflower or canoe monarch dusk ripening you know all kind of all the nature poems are in that section there's a series of poems um in here called the god i know and i believe mm-hmm. they're entitled part one two yep. three four, four i believe mm-hmm. um and you know we talked earlier about those moments where the poems turn from being contemplative of nature to more mm-hmm. like scathing towards humanity and i to me yep. those were the poems where that happened those are um, <laughs> And I'm curious just where your head was at when you were writing those specifically, mm-hmm. because they, they call out a lot of current events and modern yeah. day things. Um, they also, at the same time, are not so specific that they can't stand the test of time mm-hmm. um, and be applicable. Um, yep. But I was curious if you could talk a little bit about those poems. Yeah, they, I wrote almost, except for the first one, I wrote almost all of them when a specific event happened. And, but I tried to make it, like you said, so you could, you could read it anytime and be like, okay, yeah, this makes sense. Um, yeah, I think those just came out of a place of trying to grapple with what's going on in the world and figuring out how to navigate that and still believe in God. You know, sometimes you're like, well, okay, <laughs> hello, okay, fix it anytime, you know? Yeah. So that's my way of, it was just my way of processing it, I think, and claiming a God still, Mm. even though all these things continue to happen. So would you mind uh, reading one of these, uh, The God I Know poems? Uh, I was thinking particularly the, The God I Know Part Two. Sure thing. The God I Know Part Two. The God I Know walks across borders, children in hand, because it's the only thing left to do. The God I know rocks toddlers who shiver in fear because what they know feels gone forever. The God I know walks with parents who wonder what they could have done while worry sits silent and heavy on their shoulders. The God I know whispers in the ears of those who wonder about following orders from others who are afraid of what it means to love your neighbor. The God I know loves without limits and weeps into the parts of the world that seem far too broken. That God wants us to remember there is no such thing as other people's children, and we belong to each other, just like the source of all things belongs to all, unwavering even today. There is no such thing as other people's children, (laughs) and I... I'm not ashamed to say that that chokes me up a little bit as a parent and just looking at what's going on in our world. um, Mm -hmm. Beautifully said. Yeah. And I've heard, give credit where credit is due. I heard those words first from Glennon Doyle, Mm. who's another author. Yeah. But I think they should be said all the time. You know, this is something that's been talked about ad nauseum, but that idea that poetry and writing helps us wrestle with bigger concepts and Mm -hmm. bring them to life in a way that it is i won't say more palatable but is is just the ability to look at a hard subject through tender eyes and Mm -hmm. and think of it artistically and in that way find some sort of truth right um did you find that as you were writing poetry kind of for not probably not the first time but extensively Mm -hmm. for the first time Mm -hmm. that 
you found any of that in there that you found a, a, a new medium to, to wrestle with certain things? Yeah, I would say so. I think for me, what, whatever I'm writing, it's a way of processing things. Sometimes yeah. I don't know what I think about something unless I write it down. And I'm kind of like, oh, yeah, that's what I think. But I couldn't ar- articulate it before I had written about it. Um, yeah, and, and poetry is, is the same, I would say. Mm-hmm. There's a poem in here as well that's dedicated to Mary Oliver, mm-hmm. um, passed away yeah. earlier this year. Um, and it was interesting because as I was starting to read, I was like, okay, I see elements of Mary <laughs> Oliver in this writing. And then you yeah. had a poem dedicated to her. Yeah. Um, is she someone who specifically meant something to you? Or was it more like the moment of her passing was so... I think if I had to pick a poet who's influenced me the most, it would be her. Mm. Certainly. I think just because she was, she was a nature poet, you know, yeah. like she just wrote what she observed. And I think I learned most of what I know, which it doesn't always seem like a lot <laughs> about poetry from reading her work. And just because I think like when I was younger, poetry, I was like, mm, poetry. Yeah. No, thanks. <laughs> just because trying to decipher poems and analyze them in school, I was always like, I don't know what this means. All the weird words and rhyming and yeah. different, you know, it's way you phrase things. Yeah, it was inaccessible. That's a good way to put it. So I liked her poetry because it was very accessible. I was yeah. like, yes, this, this speaks to me. I know what this is saying. So I wanted to do the same. I think nature poetry as well gets a pretty bad rap from people who see it for the first time and they mm. oh we're just going to talk about a flower right. and how many ways <laughs> can we talk about a flower yeah um i think something that i appreciated as i was reading um cold spring hallelujah was this idea that the poems while ones that were specifically about nature like they were, they were anecdotal almost and they were like, like, I could see myself there with you. And you would talk mm-hmm. about your family mm-hmm. and what I would imagine is going on hikes and skiing and kind of trips right. around your around your property and mm-hmm. um, kind of brought it home that way. Um, what what would you say to the person who is kind of like, oh, more nature poetry? Like, <laughs> I can go look at a tree anytime. Like, right. I would say, yeah, you should go look at a tree and then think about it and observe that tree. Mm. And then see what what does that tree have to say to you, you know? And a lot of you would be like, mm, what? <laughs> <laughs> but really, I mean, nature is a great teacher. You know, we have a lot to learn from observing. Like, that's what nature poetry is to me, is just paying attention. Mm. I mean, this is what Mary Oliver said verbatim, you know, I'm not going to say it right, but pay attention, you know, tell about it, you know? So that's what nature poetry is to me. Mm. And it also has some deeper truths in there as well, because it's not just a flower. Like, what is this flower telling you about your own life or about the earth in general or bigger things than just the one flower? Well, and it's part of that idea that we are all one. We are all connected Mm -hmm. and that oneness exists. And that if we are going to subscribe to the idea that we are all one in a a way, then everything has something to tell everybody else about themselves. Definitely. What would you say is one of the the biggest things that you feel like you learned about yourself after going through the experience of writing these poems? That's a big question. Um, I learned that I really do like writing. Mm. Um, I didn't, yeah, like like I said, I didn't go into it thinking I would really want to be a poet. 
I still don't really claim the word poet. I don't think I'm work. I'm getting there. <laughs> um, but I learned that I, I just love to notice things and write it down and kind of grapple with what that means in my own life and in, and how it might speak to other people as well. Because mm. that's part of the process is, you know, writing it, but then it's giving it to others too. That's kind of completes the process and yeah. seeing how it, how it impacts. That's awesome. Yeah. Well, I would love to kind of end this conversation with you reading another poem. But before we sure. do that, um, any specific place that people can find your work or find you online that you'd like to shout out? Yes. So I'm at HeidiBar.com. And then if you go to HomeboundPublications.com, that's where you can order all of my books. And they're on Amazon as well. Or your local bookstore, or you can <laughs> request that your library stock copy. <laughs> Always a good option to have the library stock a copy. Yes. All right. Oh, and I do have a book launch. I will say that as well. It's on November 7th at Gustav's Up North Gallery in Lindstrom, 7 p.m. So awesome. if anyone is in the area. All right. I will read A Dance of Moss and Pine. Mm. There is in all things a wholeness that remains hidden until we stop to look at the layers that make up this strange human experience. The sacred dance of shadow and light, moss and pine, lament and jubilee. Thank you for listening. You can follow Heidi on social media and purchase her new book, Cold Spring Hallelujah, via the links in the show notes. You can follow Good Poetry on Instagram and Facebook at Good Poetry Podcast. Till next time, happy reading.